It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, welcome back to Ozbiz Live from our Brangaroo Studios. Great to have your company for the next hour for The Call. 10 stocks picked by you. I'll put it to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. It's Friday, the 7th of October. Let's go straight to the panel. Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners. Dawesy, welcome. Welcome. Yes, thank you. It's great to be here. And Karen Tal from Tribeca Investment Partners. Karen, good to have you aboard on the the call. Yeah. How are you seeing the market this week? Well, we had two fantastic days and now <laughs> today it's kind of rolled over again. So I think it's just, you know, back to the, the volatility that we've seen for the, right. the last little bit. So You're I think bearable. Uh, I don't know that I'm particularly bullish, but, you know, the market's down 20%. So um, yeah. a, a lot's been factored in now. I think uh, we're probably getting close to the bottom. So, oh. But I think, I think, you know, there will be up days and down days and I think uh, yeah it's just just going to be volatile and yeah, you have, yeah. to, have to sort of be aware of that and trade it yeah. and October always scares me well September's was, usually worse yeah well yeah thanks for that yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was <laughs> Dorsey how are you feeling uh, look I'm feeling okay so that that 6400 level where we touched a couple of times on the ASX 200 that sort of double bottom that happened and it does show that there's potentially a little bit of a flaw there at the moment at the moment but you look at the US, you know, to, we're officially in a recession, or if you want to say unofficially, I mean, two, two negative quarters of GDP growth. Yep. Yep. Technically, it is a recession. The market's priced in that recession now, and that's to Karen's point. Potentially, there is some of those things that have actually been priced in, and something that, you know, potentially we could be seeing somewhat of a bottom. Have we seen the top of the hill of uh, interest rates? Probably not yet, just yet, but next year. So markets are going to start pricing in interest rate cuts soon. Mm. That's going to fuel things as well. So um, I'm at the moment, I'm sitting on the fence. We're still doing a bit of buying, still overweight the energy sector, still overweight the materials sector. But yeah, a little bit cautious on a couple of those other sectors that are just struggling at the moment. Consumer discretionary, I think there's such a big disconnect between what the consumer is actually doing and what interest rates are doing at the moment. Mm. And that, that scares me, that disconnect at the moment. Yeah. I think really what the market's looking for is the first bad print. So everything at the moment is actually surprising to the upside. Yeah. So we actually want to see the bad numbers come out before people are confident to say, well, it's starting to get priced in now. And mm. so we're starting right. to see the bad okay. news. Yeah. Interesting. All right, let's look at the uh, first five stocks we're going to cover this half hour. Abacus Property Group, Tabcorp, NAB, Woodside and CSL. But Dorsey used the word struggling. I think it sums up our stock of the day, Magellan. Oh my God, the business is trading down again. Today's UBS analyst cut its price target uh, by 5% to uh, $9.80. UBS analyst Shreyas Patel says net outflows remained elevated, don't appear to be stabilising. UBS cutting its earnings forecast, describing the fund performance as remaining underwhelming. Uh, stock down about 1% today. Um, Karen, 
Jeez, how the mighty have fallen Absolutely. Uh, over so, two years. Absolutely. Uh, look, I mean, they're a competitor, so I don't particularly want to speak ill of a competitor either. But um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say speak ill of the dead. I thought, well, they're, they're still kicking. I think Jumbo never holds back. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, look, I, I think the problem with Magellan is that the outflows that we saw this week were much larger than expected uh, and much larger than, than the market fall as well. And so as the UBS analyst points out, we just don't have any any clear sign of line of sight in terms of when it's all going to come to an end. Mm. So it's very difficult to value that stock when, you know, you just don't know when the when the outflows yeah. are going to cease. And it's insto outflows as well, so um, large, chunky outflows. Right. Hamish Douglas, about to come back. Um, will that make a difference? Uh, I don't think it made a difference towards the end of his... Uh, last period there did it so I'm not sure why right. it sort of necessarily changes again I think it's they're in a they're in a tough spot yeah. so, um, yeah. so would you be touching it at all not at this no. point in time no right Dorsey you're gonna say with that I'm gonna stay a hold as well um, I, I did at $12 I was pretty comfortable with it because I we potentially saw some of those outflows starting to pair back and with institutional outflows they don't charge a lot on that, so it's more about the retail flow, and the retail outflow has been bad, but it's not as bad. And potentially that's why I'm sort of gonna say it's a hold. Look, if you didn't sell it at $50 and it's now $10, um, you know, you may as well sort of hold on uh, here. Right. But funds under management down 11.6% for the month, down 17% on the quarter, and down 55% on the previous corresponding period. So halved. halved. Wow. Right, so it used to have a hundred billion, and now it's at right. fifty. So your logic for a hold is, you know, if you're still in the stock, you've married it, and yeah. you've got an emotional attachment oh, to 100%, it. So, hundred percent. Um, sort of just stay there. You don't think it can get any worse? Well, it can certainly get worse. I right. mean, they can go to zero. I mean, that's right. exactly what stocks can do. There's, there's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. UBS is twelve months price target is nine dollars eighty. You know, it's it's close to that. Whether they take off that sell and put a hold on it and then put a buy on it but to have a buy you need to have inflows not outflows and yeah. you need to see good performance well, they've got from private them. equity stuff in there too don't they yeah they've so there's private equity there's, Baron Joey there's and infrastructure and yeah. um they've actually got some actually good funds except for the global one which has just been a perennial underperformer and that's where most of the funds have gone right. and that's where the most of the funds are leaving but like I said to Karen, where, where, where does that institute, where's that flow going? Is it going into somewhere else? Is it going back into stocks? It's probably not. Is it going back into funds? Where Are we seeing a lot of inflows inside of the managed funds area? I don't yeah. know. Karen, have you seen any uh, businesses? I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it, but I'm probably not close enough to yeah. kind of So it, it, it sort of says to me that you need to get performance to then, performance <coughs> will then indicate inflows and that's inflows right. then you can slap a buyback on this. But at the moment, the only thing that's really holding it up is, is that they haven't touched their retail funds under management fee. So the fee is right. at like one and a half, 1.2, 1%, let's say 1%, which is pretty high when you're talking about a fund that's yes. hemorrhaging so much. and hemorrhaging money. So the, 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 the real thing is, is if they do reduce that retail fee, that's going to hurt them even more than outflows. So that's really right. going to put pressure on them. So 
Um, for me, it's a hold. Okay. Uh, I think if you, you're in there, you're in there, and um, let's hope for better days next year. Okay. All right. Um, let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Karen Rob wants a view on uh, view on Abacus Property Group. Their sort of storage office retail. Um, pretty diverse, is that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So look, I guess from our point of view, we probably look at the REITs more as a sector rather than, you know, individual sort of stocks. Right. And uh, I mean, and I would note that, you know, Abacus does have like a really good storage business, but office is probably a lot more challenged. So it's right. one good part and one bad part. But, right. but just in general for us, REITs are relatively challenged at the moment just with rising interest rates. So. Um, they're a big discounts, aren't they? A lot they of are, but we sort of think that there probably will be um, downgrades uh, and, oh. and earnings cuts coming through. So, so, so the discounts, um, uh, the gap will fall from the top. Yeah, absolutely. It's, all, it's <laughs> about the E. Clean. It's about the right. E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. so we're, we're relatively cautious still. Okay, so you wouldn't be looking at Abacus at all? No, I think it's probably a hold for us, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Adam? I'm going to go a little bit differently. I'm going to say it's a buy, and it's probably the only buy that I'm going to put, except for Goodman Group and my two sort of favourites in this space. But Abacus looks fairly uh, attractive on evaluation grounds. Um, it's sort of it is trading below a lot of forecasts or a lot of uh, numbers that are out there. I really like that storage business. I think mm. that storage business is really they they were obviously national storage or the REIT there is is a good one. But Abacus followed those guys, and they've really done very very well on that. They're pretty good on some of their office locations here in CBD and in Melbourne, and they know and they know and their weighted average lease uh, is is around that sort of six years to seven years. So it's actually quite good as far as that length. I don't know what their debt is looking like, but um, they've probably got a fair bit of room to move on that one. Abacus is really close to shore, so I'm going to stay with a buy. Okay, close to know. a five-year low. Yeah, is that yeah. Absolutely. So, you look at Goodman Group as well. So you're saying, uh, hang on, you just let me pick you up on that. Yeah. Abaco is close to shore. So we see them every six months. Okay. And so every six months I so see... So you've got a bit of an inkling on what's ahead. Well, not an inkling, but um, understanding of the business and understanding of how... Uh, every what time... do you know that we don't know? Well, that would be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> myself, a very dangerous thing. Uh, myself over the wall on that one. Uh, no, no, I look, I just every six months when they come in, they said they were going to do this last six months and then they, and they deliver. And, they deliver. and okay. so that's all you want from so a business. So you put the faith in management. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that they've done really, really well to sort of, uh, this is a, is a tough time for any kind of REITs and we've got a couple more coming up. But um, right. yeah, I, I, I'm going to stay with a buy on this one. Okay. All right. Um, now, Karen, let's help Emily out. Emily um, says, I have a uni assignment, Jim. Would love your opinion on Tabcorp. <laughs> well done, Emily. Yeah, Come to the experts, we'll help you out. Is it a buy, hold or sell? Um, Karen, what do you think of Tabcorp? Of course, so, they, they split themselves they up, have, haven't yeah, they? They have, that's right. And, and, to be honest, and so we like it. Um, we think it's right. a buy. Um, so you like the Tabcorp bit? Yes. Right, yes. that's left. Yes, yep. and, and, and I, I think if you look at um, demergers that have happened um, amongst a number of stocks over the last few years, then I think Tabcorp's like the poor cousin in that, that demerger. And mm -hmm. the, the poor cousins often do quite well after a demerger because mm -hmm. they, get, they get sort of emphasis by management on it uh, and they uh, probably get a little bit more funding as well, so a little bit more growth. Uh, so I think, 
uh, as a standalone business, it's probably in a better position than it was as part of the group, uh, mm -hmm. and that gives you know some some decent opportunities. Because all for the it. attention went to. Lottery Corporation, yeah. didn't yes, it? And everyone that's right, said, yeah. this is the star and Correct, it's done yeah. quite well. So yeah. this is the poor yeah. cousin yes, that yeah. people are undervaluing. Yeah. No, that's moment. right. And you can kind of look back in history and you think about Endeavour splitting off from Woolworths. I mean, yeah. Endeavour performed quite well after that. And Coles splitting off from West Farmers, also pretty successful yeah. kind of demerger as well. So, yeah, I, I do think when, when these companies split off from the group and, and have a lot more focus put on them by the management, then, then they can perform quite well. Okay. All right. So you, you have it as a buy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Adam? Yeah, I'm going to say it's a hold for me. I think that uh, there's more competition increasing inside of the wagering divisions. Every second ad I see on television is for a new betting app that's mm. that's come out and you know, I don't know how they get away with it because it's it's if it's at nine o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon or twelve o'clock at night, there is a, a sports bet, a, a points bet, uh, some kind of uh, advertising. So yeah. the competition is getting absolutely uh, ridiculous out there, and obviously uh, we're seeing that with um, the bet R, which is in the sort of the papers at the moment, yes. where they're they're selling down, and that's going to give them about sixty-two million dollars. So that's going to ten times EBITDA. So that's going to be positive for right. TabCorp going forward. But I can't rule out the downside of all of that competition that's coming through. And Tabcorp for me uh, is really a sort of a second cousin inside of that. And I think if they do lose some of their wagering sort of side of things in Queensland or Victoria or something like that, that's really going to hurt them as well. So I'm going to stay with a hold on Tabcorp at the moment, only for the really for the dividend. Um, the dividend is actually quite good uh, on this one. So just be, yeah, that would be a hold. Okay, all right, hold for, uh, there you go, Emily, you've got a bit there, comparison with other demergers to put in your assignment as well, so uh, you're welcome. Um, our, our next stock, um, uh, Karen Drew wants a view on NAB, one of the big four sure. banks. Yep. I guess, like, like I was talking about with the rates, we probably look at the banks uh, as a sector, uh, and as a sector, our view is that they're probably kind of fair value um, and uh, so, so a hold as a sector. Um, in saying that, CBA is expensive relative to the other banks, and so our view would be sort of underweight CBA and, and overweight NAB. Um, and look, just thinking about the banks, I think it's pretty well known, obviously, you know, rising interest rates, um, so increasing risk of bad debts. Um, against that, uh, we've got a lot of households who've built up quite a lot of money um, and so they're well ahead on their repayments so that's providing a buffer and also we're also seeing that the banks aren't passing through the interest rates to the deposit holders as quickly no. as they're passing through interest rates for the, the mortgages and uh, and so as a result there's probably going to be an expansion in their, their net interest margin so that should be quite positive as well um, but overlaying that obviously is we're heading into a much more difficult economic um, environment so Basically, they're mortgage lenders, aren't yeah, they? That, yeah, more than yeah, anything yes, else these days. Yeah. So, would you be buying NAB at the moment at these levels? Well, or? as I said, as a sector, we're probably neutral right. um, on on the banking sector, but um, underweight CBA, overweight NAB, just because NAB's so much cheaper than, than CBA. Right. Okay. So, is that a buy, hold, or sell? Well, That's it's the sort of. Show. <laughs> <laughs> Put it as a hold. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we have some uh, of the panellists here that go, 
why would you look at the big four banks in the first mm. place anyhow? Yeah. But they, they've yeah. never performed well, even mm. though they're a darling of retail investors and self-managed super funds. Yes, yeah. They, they've never performed. Franking. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, the franking credits. Um, same view on Macquarie as the outlier? Uh, yeah, the I mean, Macquarie's, Macquarie's a little bit different in terms yeah. of its yeah. exposures, but uh, yeah. It, same hope for Macquarie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dorsey, Nab? Yeah, so when you look at that uh, interest rate rise, every 25 basis point interest rate rise gives them five basis points of NIM margin increase. Okay, so five basis points is 0.05%. So it doesn't yeah. sound like a lot, but when you couple that with all of the rate rises that we've had, that net interest margin starts to expand. And what you want, albeit it is delayed, that, that deposit delay, um, that is, is a real positive for all banks because you want your net interest margin to increase. And the net interest margin is the difference between how, what they lend, or what they get their money for, to what they lend to us. Mm. And so there's that, de that, that difference there. So for me, as interest rates continue to go higher, their net interest margin goes higher as well. We're fairly neutral on the banks as well, but I do have a buy on NAV is probably the best exposure to that. And because of going forward, they, they, their, their loans are more vulnerable to higher interest rates. Um, there's a negative there, but that net interest margin expanding should do well over time. They used to be the small, small to medium enterprise business. They used to be the business bank. Yeah. They're moving a lot away from that. I don't know if you see the ads on television. They're all talking about home loans running away from your car loans running away and all those kinds of things. So I think they're pushing more into that side of the market. But look, overall, I'm pretty comfortable with NAB and I think all of the Hain Royal Commission's all done. We, we're, we're pretty comfortable with the profit momentum should be moving forward. So I'm gonna stay with a buy on uh, NAB, but then a hold yeah. on the rest of them. Okay, with, um, when people ask me about net interest margin, I say, you know your online bank account where you're getting less than 1% <laughs> and you're paying 5% on your mortgage, that's a net interest margin. <laughs> like, remember yes. when online accounts were yeah. the big thing that you got better, better rates, rates now? Uh, I think there's only one of the big four banks that their online savings account is more than 1%. Yeah, terrible. It's pathetic. It is absolutely Don't you pathetic. reckon? Yep. Yep. Um, so. Yep, you've got to shop around. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely shop around. And ING has a rate of 4% yeah. on the mm. online account. Yeah. That's outrageous with the big four banks mm. at the moment. Yeah, well, obviously they're sucking every oh, single God. cent mm. out of the customer. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you're talking about with net interest margins going up. Yes. That's yep. where the, the that's profits where to the banks come up. Yeah. All right, Gary wants a view, uh, Karen, on Woodside. Sort of, uh, Woodside is mainly a gas play, isn't it? With a, it with, is, with yeah. a bit of oil. Yes. Uh, up again today, having a great run like yep. the entire energy sector. Probably well, that's the premier right. stock. Yep. So, I mean, Woodside for us is a hold, actually. It, it, you know, it has been a fantastic beneficiary of um, the Ukrainian war and increasing gas prices. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I think that's probably pretty well reflected in the share price. Uh, the reasons why we'd be, we would be a little bit cautious are just uh, increasing requirements for capex going forwards, and so you know they're going to have to fund that as well. So, so our view is that potentially yeah, that that capex because um, they're big now with the BHP mm -hmm. assets in it. Yeah, yeah. Like they're top ten in the world, aren't yeah. they? In the top ten. 
I, to be honest, I don't know, but I think yeah, I, I would yeah, imagine so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and look, they have got a very good balance sheet as well, so right. um, which is good. So, that's so you don't say, uh, do you think see energy? We're going into a northern winter mm. at the moment. Yes. Do you see energy prices staying high? It would appear to be the case. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I would think. Hundred <coughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. Staying high. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But you'd have a hold on that. Do you prefer have a hold on that, any yeah. others in the energy stock? Or so we probably prefer Santos over Woodside. So, ah, right. so we would be long Santos as opposed to long Woodside. We right. just think it's a better value. Yeah. Okay. In complete agreement uh, with that, uh, a hold on Woodside and it's a buy on Santos uh, for us as well. I think overall um, there's, there's a couple of things that are playing really, really well into Woodside's um, stable at the moment. We've seen geopolitical risk, which Karen obviously talked about. The instability and the shutdown of that Nord Stream uh, overseas has really sort of tightened up that gas market again. That's, a, that's the pipeline mm. that's pipeline that sabotage and Russia's blaming yeah, the right. West. The West blaming Russia. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. all of that so kind of stuff. something out of James Bond. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff is, is, is really sort of constricting the amount of supply. Uh, in winter in Europe, it's going to be a tough winter. But we were speaking to some analysts that this year is going to be probably be okay because they're going to have to uh, Europeans are going to have to reduce their energy consumption by about fifteen percent to make sure that they're keeping in with the, the, that level. Now that's going to be tough for a lot of Europeans yeah. in such a really cold winter. But it's really next year, so the the reserves are up and the reserves are fine for this winter. It's next winter that they're going to really struggle. Oh. Russia provides around about twenty five percent of the global. Uh, energy or oil needs or gas net oil needs and obviously that being cut off and they're really just uh, sending it to China and India at the moment they're their two biggest net buyers of, of Russian oil and gas um, the Europe is really going to struggle so the reserves are there this year but next year is where we really got to worry about what's going to happen with that which means that markets are looking 12 months in advance that means that gas prices and, and energy prices are going to stay high. They're sitting around about for eight. A longer, but for from longer. what you're saying, for a longer than anyone yeah. thinks, because most people are thinking short term now, oh, going into a northern winter, it's going to be tough. But you're saying they're going to have yeah. to stay high because next year is going to get worse. So the reserves are okay now. So they're about 80, no, 85%, no. 83% reserves. So they, they can yeah. handle any kind of drawdown. But what's going to happen is that drawdown can't be topped up next right. winter or right. next year so that's really where we're going to struggle uh, going forward and so uh, a lot of uh, institutional uh, guys have increased their overall long-term wholesale gas prices from eight dollars to nine dollars a gigadrill which is obviously pure profit for right. something like a Woodside or a Santos so I think Santos uh, is better it's been quite disconnected on the price action could uh, to the higher uh, higher gas prices and it really hasn't lifted up it's had, had some weird projects at people yes but could you call them controversial not controversial yeah. projects but yeah. ones that the coal seam gas don't believe in. And, yeah, yeah, yeah and all that kind and of stuff guinea. and Papua New Guinea which yeah. they've started to sell out of and yes. starting to move away from so all of that is, is is been a bit tough for Santos but Woodside at around sort of 35 36 dollars 34 30 around here right. that that's why we're saying we're neutral on it or a hold because it is full value. That doesn't mean it can't continue to go higher from here. And analysts will re-rate as stocks go up, as, right. they, as they re-rate when stocks go <laughs> down. So um, it's something, but I think it's just near, near that full price target at the moment. 
Obviously, we've got AGM coming up soon, so that's yep. going to give us some good indication or clear value or what's going to happen going forward. So I think you'd wait for something like that, a bit of a catalyst to then move forward and sort of okay. then make your investment decisions. But Santos has lagged oh, considerably. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's it, it's it. Most brokers have got a buy on Santos and a hold on Woodside at the moment. That's right. sort of where the market's sitting. Okay. All right. Um, Nick wants a view, uh, Karen, on CSL, the big yep. global blood plasma health play. Are we lucky in this country to have just great global health stocks? Amazing. We punch yeah. above our weight, don't we? Definitely. So, yeah, we've got CSL, we've got ResMed, we've got Cochlear, Cochlear just yeah. amazing technology. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, our, our view is that CSL is absolutely a buy. Right. Um, we think it's just a fabulous company uh, and obviously world leading. Um, it, it kind of struggled during during COVID, um, just because people were really reluctant to, to go and, and donate blood. And, and in the US as well, you actually get paid um, to, right. to donate blood. And so there was so much stimulus out there that people were being paid by the government, they didn't need to go and sell their blood. Right. Uh, and, and so now that's all kind of shifting and, and we see, you know, just um, blood supplies increasing. Uh, so going into a recession, does that help? blood donations in, Potentially. in the US? Potentially, but, but at the end of the day, probably you know, more than that. It's just a very defensive a defensive company. So right. you know, you're going to continue to have demand for, for plasma. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we think it's um, a great company with uh, you know, healthcare for the next 12 months for us looks very attractive and, and CSL in particular so looks as, great. as a sector? As a sector, healthcare right. looks good and yeah, CSL definitely looks looks very attractive. And the rest of the trio, is it a similar thing for Cochlear and ResMed? Yeah, but I think CSL is probably you so know, our, preferred, our preferred um, right. stock. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dorsey? CSL. Yeah, so CSL's a, a buy from me as well. I think, you know, fantastic business. They do have an investor day coming up on the 17th of October. That's going to be really interesting because they're going to give us some more in, uh, inside information on V4, Vi4. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it. One That's the, the big merger that they've done. Well, yeah, the, the, big, acquisition. the, yeah, the acquisition. acquisition that they yeah, did. Yeah. So um, that's going to get, give us a little bit of insight into what's actually, well, what what we think is going to be. So what's Vi4 doing? Uh, so it's a, a, is it liver or kidney um, blood regeneration business? Right. So, so it's sort of linked, but takes it into a different area. And it fits really well into their wheelhouse, right. CSL's wheelhouse. It fits really well into that. So um, that that's yeah, sort of why we like it. And it was one of the largest acquisitions that the Australian market has done mm. to raise capital and things like that. So there's been a bit of indigestion in the stock just trying to get through and it struggles to get over that $300 mark. Like yeah. every time it gets there, it sort of comes back down. Um, but over the long term, the pipeline, the R&D that they do, as well as then um, this investor day might give investors a better appreciation of why they've bought this business and mm -hmm. why ah, they've done okay. it. Yes. So the market's still a bit nervous about it. I think yeah. so. It's just that every time it gets to that sort of $300, it just gets sold down 280, 290 yeah. and it's just been sort of bobbing around. But if they can make the market feel comfortable about what they've done and, and the earnings potential that, that, that that's going to happen on this one, um, I think you know the market will then sort of move forward on it. So yeah, really comfortable with the buy yeah. Yeah. on that. Yeah. Karen, the same thing. Is the market yeah. nervous about? No, absolutely. I think the market is looking for this investor day. Our view would be probably that um, the investor day 
does provide just more um, qualitative information for the market about uh, you know the strategic reason why they've made the acquisition. So mm. we're not really expecting any significant um, earnings changes. No, they've or, guided already. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So so it is more just about why they've done it uh, and just the opportunities ahead. So really, it should be a positive for, for the stock as opposed so to. So what happens on the investor day? Do they just? Is it like a school excursion for all the analysts that you? Pretty much. Sort of <laughs> trundled down to yeah. CSL and they give you a look around the factory and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, generally they bring out um, the senior management in the business. And so I would expect that, you know, the, the main management within within the acquisition will, will give a rundown in terms of their roles, what they're doing, um, and just, just give like some access to, to further down the chain of like rather than just the CEO and the CFO. So, right. you know, within, within these large companies, they're very big, they're very diverse, and so you want to have like comfort in, in the, the senior management, not just the CEO and CFO, and these right. sorts of investor days give you great access to those sorts of people. So they bring yeah. out, the CSL bring out the blokes in the white coats, the lab yeah, coats kind of, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'll, they'll pre-release the investor day presentation to the market on the day, so right. investors can look at it at 8.30 in the morning, they'll release it, and then they'll have their investor day over the day where they'll be presenting that to everybody. But also, really, you know, you flick through all of that to the back page where it says Outlook. Right. <laughs> that, 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 that's my secret, everybody. That's my secret to looking at an investor day because really the investor day is saying, this is what we've done, we've looked backwards, this is, but it's the Outlook. You right. really want to look at that. And, that. and that's the same with AGM as well. Yeah. You look at what the directors have said, but really you flick all the way to the back and find out, okay, what are you thinking? What are you saying for the next six months or 12 months? The companies have doing? been a bit short on guidance. Well, and rightly so. Rightly so. How how can how can you uh, in your business say how are we going to do X amount of sales? How can I can't I can't forecast because Mm. look nobody really knows. So and that's why the market's been very volatile is because of that lack of guidance. Yeah, and it's the reason I think why this AGM season is going to be increasingly important because companies haven't been willing to guide and so you're looking for those constant updates and, and the AGMs, have, as I said, have become increasingly important for, for giving new information and giving right. a better sort of feel for how okay, the Okay, so you've, you've accepted them in their results giving no guidance but the expectation from analysts Very much for so. AGMs is, okay gang, yep. you've got to start putting your proverbials on the line and giving us some direction. Yes, yeah. Yep. Right, because yep. usually they, they put it on the first three months, don't they? Okay, we're tracking, first three months, new financial year, yep. this is tracking, this has yep. given us confidence yep. to do it. And look, particularly, I mean, we've had you know such a series of rapid interest rate rises. So at, at the full year results, there, it wasn't evident in, in any of the results what uh, the impact yes. of those sorts of interest rates were. I think it's starting to become a little bit more evident in the market now that, you know, how, mm. or hopefully, I mean, hopefully at the AGMs, you know, the companies will be able to give yeah. a bit bit of a better ho- a handle on, um, yeah, just, just how those interest rates Particularly impacted. retailers, I suppose. Particularly well. retailers, but I think, you know, across the board probably there's a bunch of stocks that um, are exposed to the consumer in one, one shape or another, yep. so, yeah. Yep. Okay, it's going to be interesting. Mm. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks in our stock of the day. Magellan, uh, Karen has said no. Dorsey has sort of taken a big call saying, hold on <laughs> for dear life. Uh, Abacus Property, a hold from Karen, a buy from Adam. 
Um, Karen likes Tabcorp is a buy from Tribeca, a hold from Adam. Nab, uh, the reverse, a buy from Adam, a hold from Karen. Woodside, a hold from both. Both prefer Santos in this space, that they believe Santos has lagged sort of the run that Woodside's had and a lot of the other energy stocks. Uh, and CSL is a buy from both. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund, which is picked by our investment committee. Um, the latest episode of the committee meeting is live on the platform osbiz.com. So let's check how the portfolio is going. Uh, in the October uh, meeting, they um, sold Ardent Leisure after the capital return. Babcorp was trimmed, uh, sold patents and was added. Uh, Instatec Pivot was trimmed as well and Seek was added to the portfolio. Uh, let's see how it's doing since the 1st of March. It's up two and a half percent. Not bad for a, mm. for a growth fund. Uh, keep though your, your suggestions coming in here for the call because that's the first filter that goes up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. For the last call this afternoon, of course, we reviewed the week in the markets and the economy. It is stacked full of experts this afternoon. It's a, a star-studded group. So uh, grab a beverage for the end of the week and let's recap together. Uh, this half hour of the call, we're going to be taking a look at Yang Coal, Viva Leisure, uh, Centre Group, Waypoint REIT and Auckland Airport. Uh, Simon wants a view, Karen on Yan Coal, the big coal miner in New South Wales, Bowen Basin in Queensland, both metallurgical and thermal coal production yeah. as well. So look, I think... Um, what? I will... Who's ringing? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, investing in coal probably comes very much down to your sort of personal preferences, re-ESG. And, right. um, you know, there are certainly clients that we have that... Um, won't allow us to invest in in coal stocks. So, uh, so I think that's probably the the first kind of cut. It really depends on you know just yeah. what your ethical kind of position is. Leaving that aside, it looks very cheap, <laughs> and um, mm. so uh, the market cap is about just over eight billion. I think uh, on our um, forecasts, if we assume that thermal coal price stays where it is for the rest of the year. It's probably going to um, produce about just over $6 billion in EBITDA for the year. So, I mean, that's an amazing cash generation. Uh, so you would expect to see some pretty heavy special dividends for this stock. So, uh, you know, it, it, it looks very cheap um, based on how much money it's going to earn this year. Okay. So you'd have it as a buy? Yes. Yep. Okay. A buy on that. Um, it is funny that it's been, you look at the White Haven sort of chart and the New Hope chart. Parabolic. It's very different to that. Whitehaven mm. Mm. up again today. New mm. Hope up again. But they're pure thermal plays, mm. aren't they? Mm. And so the, the Met Coal um, chart hasn't moved. So you've got this really massive disconnect between that and thermal, which is thermal's just gone like that. Yeah. But Met Coal's really stayed. And that gap has to 
come back somewhere along the line because traditionally they trade within a range <coughs> together. So it's either one Metcol's going to rally and and Thermal's going to stay, or Thermal's going to have a bit of a consolidation. And at Whitehaven at ten dollars, I'd definitely be taking some money off the table. Right. I think that that's, that's okay. Gorab Sadi from Intelligent Investor, he's been overweight coal for a year. Yeah, he reckons Thermal coal is a broken commodity because no no government will ever approve a coal mine again. Yep, and no bank will ever finance one. So. Isn't in a commodity a... cycle, the price goes up and usually you get more supply coming in Correct. as everyone opens their mines or starts new mines. Greenfield. That, that's not going to happen. Absolutely. No. And that's why he reckons it's a, it's a, Which a is broken a positive, commodity. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying Huge positive. that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So for any investor that doesn't want to, Karen, you just forward them on to me because I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely invest in coal. And we've made a lot of money for clients over the last six to 12 months by investing <coughs> in coal. One, as... Koshi rightly points out, there's no greenfield exploration going at all anymore. The guys that are in production are absolutely killing it. They've got so much money coming in. Yuan Coal uh, is paying off, I think I saw something, billions of dollars worth of debt this quarter. And you look at all of the coal uh, businesses, they've just been paying off debt. Like Fortescue did at three bucks. That's exactly what they're doing. They're just paying off all yep. of this debt. So they're now going to have free cash flow to then return back to shareholders. Another one I really like is a little one called Terracom. So a dollar at the moment, they're going to they're forecasting a fifty-one cent dividend for this yeah. for next year. But it had stayed at a dollar for three months. Terracom, yes, yeah. But I was buying it at fifty cents, so yeah, so happy. Uh, and there's yeah. valuations on that one for a dollar eighty-six to two bucks. Right. So, so would you be switching out of Whitehaven and New Hope into something like Yankol? I don't know if I'd switch out of Whitehaven into Yankol. I'd, I'd or trim. Yeah, Whitehaven I'd definitely be trimming. Take out your original capital investment. You bought it at five bucks. It's now ten bucks. You've doubled your money. You, you take out your initial investment. I mean, that's just pure one hundred and one investing. You know, right. protect your capital. That's right. like you but know. If you still want to play the coal, play the coal. Magic. Yeah. So Yankol's um, in there because it's got the diversity of both. I've been buying a bit of uh, BCB, which is. Um, They've got a lot of sort of met coal in there, uh, Bowen coal uh, right. in the Bowen coal basin. Um, that at thirty-five cents hasn't really moved much, and so I think that we could you could play that upside, or you look for something that's like a, a Terracom is just going to pay out dividends. Their Blair Athol mine is is yep. running at uh, you know one hundred percent. They're they're just going to be printing cash, and you're going to get fantastic dividends over the next sort of twelve to twenty-four months. So you could sort right. of look at that that way, but yeah, definitely trimming some Whitehaven. Uh, up here um, because... So you'd buy Yank coal though? Uh, yeah, I would yep. because of that mixture. Yep. And any of the coal, sp- anything in the coal space is just done really, really, really well. So I'm just yeah, comfortable And if you it. get nervous, of course, um, Solpats has a big stake in yeah, well, New, New Hope, Hope with a bunch of other New Hope's got a, like a 56 cent dividend coming up in like three weeks, two weeks. Yeah. At six bucks, it's a great dividend as well. So something like a New Hope, but or a Salt Pats is a really great way yeah, to play if it. If you want to yeah, 100%. be part of a diversified portfolio. All right, um, let's go from, let's flex our muscles now. <laughs> Ian, Ian wants a view on Viva Leisure. Karen, the, uh, the owner of, um, uh, of health clubs and gyms, gyms yep. around the country. Yes. So uh, it's probably a week hold for me. A week <laughs> hold. A week hold. I like that. Yeah. Um, look, 
it's underperformed. Uh, it's, it should have benefited from reopening uh, as people kind of get out and about and, and join back and, and join their gym. The issue for me is this space is littered with um, stocks and companies that have gone broke over the years. Mm. It's very, very low barriers to entry. Uh, and I think what you're seeing at the moment is uh, as gyms try and, and um, get their customers back, attract new customers, there's a lot of discounting uh, going on in the market as well. And uh, so I think, you know, that's obviously a, a negative for, for their Jeez, margins. That's a horrible so, chart, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, you know, look, it, it probably looks cheap. There's a ton of rollout opportunity for it. I think it's pretty well run. But I think the space is, is a little bit challenged at the moment. It's like coffee shops were five or six years ago. There seems to be a gym on every corner now, yeah. doesn't there? Yeah. Just in, yeah. in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, it's uh, extraordinary. Yes. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, a week hold. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to say it's a sell. Right. Uh, <laughs> <'cause> like, <laughs> there's a couple of things. They've got 118 gyms at the moment. They're forecast to do 400 gyms over the next 12 months. They're not going to hit that 400. And with any of these kinds of things, it's, it's all about rollout and, and how fast you can roll that out to then keep the earnings moving forward. But there's a couple of things that, they're, that I'm sort of not comfortable of. Is One, obviously, Karen's absolutely right, that COVID reopening, it should have benefited from that, but it really hasn't. And they've pushed that back, that target to 2025. So we've still got a bit of a runway to go on that. Um, the other thing is they did flag cost inflation. They've said about 6.5% higher from like-for-like like sales or cost, cost inflation. And that's really going to hurt that bottom line or that margin going forward as well. One of the positives that they're doing, they're trying something new. It's called a micro gym. Koshi, you might be interested oh. in this. A micro gym. Basically, it's a gym concept that's got no staff, so we've seen that already. Right. But it's it's a fully automated gym, and I'm reading here, from Resi multi-use developments in, in industrial and commercial areas. Oh. So it's a low-cost offering that they would be putting into these big apartment blocks and oh. then charging for it as well. But really, that's not going to move the dial on, on what they need to be doing is getting out those bigger gyms, getting those 400 locations. Yeah. With 118 there, they're not going to be able to do it. So I think there's too many headwinds, too much competition, and it would be a sell for Because when they, they floated, they played up the fact that it was a data play, didn't they? That you build this membership uh, of yes. all these yeah. young yeah. and old yep. fit people, yep. and they were going to leverage the data with other products and things like that. Yeah, you know? but didn't happen or no. hasn't happened. No, exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, our next stock, uh, Lockon wants a view, Karen, on Centre Group, the, the Australian Westfield shopping centre mm -hmm. chains, if you like. Yep. So, I mean, as I said earlier, like for us, REITs are relatively challenged at the moment. In saying that, Centre is probably the pick um, with Goodman's of, of the bunch. Um, centre Group has a number of, um, of leases that are CPI plus, which is quite unusual. Most most retailers will push back on it, but Centre's got a lot of muscle. And so has that mm. been able to kind of um, ensure that it gets that CPI plus. So so that is a little bit protective for them in, in this environment. But yeah, generally speaking, REITs have got a lot of gearing and um, we're not, not that keen on, right. on the whole space. Uh, see, it's been put to me here by other panellists in the past that they're too nervous about retailers at the moment, how they're going to go and the guidance and going into recession. That mm. if you want retail exposure, centre group is the exposure that you should have because 
you know, it's benefiting from a bundle of retailers. And if one yeah. goes broke and goes yeah. out, they can usually get a, a new tenant in. Does that hold water with you? No. <laughs> right. Okay, good. That's why um, I asked. Uh, look, my, my view would be, um, yes, there is diversification, I guess, there. But um, if a bunch of retailers go broke, then you're still going to get impacted as centre group. I would rather choose a retailer that I think has um, some legs to it and uh, is going to perform well and, and play it that way rather right. than okay. potluck in terms of who centres choosing for, right. for their tenants. Do you have a favourite retailer? Uh, yeah, so we, I mean, we quite like Universal Group, um, yeah. which is uh, sells um, clothes to youth and youth who, do, that, who usually don't have a mortgage. They don't have a mortgage. <laughs> um, we've got very high employment at the moment. You know, most of the kids are able to go and get a job at a pub, and they're earning pretty good money. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I think casual rates on the weekends are thirty bucks. So. Cool. Do, do 10 hours a week and yep. kind of got a bit of money to be able to spend. All the festivals are opening up as well, so there's reasons to go out and about. Kids mm. want to socialise um, and they're a good retailer. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, just as a side note, can you believe the share price of La Visa? In the last yes. three months, yes, it's just. Oh my God, it's a good it's result. The global, though. the global retail rollout. Yeah, yeah. it's extraordinary, is it? Mm. And to, did it uh, got into the ASX 200 too, didn't mm. it? Does, mm. does that help it from? Uh, it, it probably does. I, look, I think that the main thing that's driven La Visa is just the. Um, the earnings targets for the new CEO, um, and those those rollout targets are significantly more aggressive than um, under previous management. And so, if he hits those rollout targets right. and gets gets the economics of the stores um, continuing at the economics that they are at the moment, then there's probably continuing upside in that share price. But it is definitely. Yeah. Um, been on a huge, huge run, run huge like run, and and he is opening significantly more quickly than um, than previous management, who are very well respected. So, um, okay. so there's there's a, an element of risk, I guess, to, to what he's doing in terms of that. He's speed got a bit of incentive out. there. But he's got a very, nothing like incentive. A very big incentive. Yes. <laughs> a lot of cash. A lot of cash. And yes. what do you think of Senegal? Uh So yeah, it'd be a no from me as well. Or I'm just I'm going to say it's a sell. Um, I, I don't think that overall Centre Group has benefited from that reopening trade, which we all expected that to happen. But for me, it's that disconnect that we spoke about earlier on the show. It's dis- disconnected what is actually happening with uh, the customer as well as then what's happening with interest rates and everything else going forward. I know we've got this massive buffer and I know everybody's saved up some cash, but December is really when the rubber's going to hit the road for interest rates, uh, more money coming out of people's pockets. So I think this December is actually going to be quite good. We saw Tesco's numbers the other day, um, and I'm talking about consumer stables here, not discretionary, but uh, Tesco's numbers were absolutely fantastic. They were really doing very well in the UK, in the yeah. UK doing right. very, very well. And even Coles and Woolies have come out and said they reckon this December is going to be their best December in the last in the in the last five years. One because you don't have any uh, restrictions, so everyone's <clears throat> going to be able to move around. There's a little pent up demand for having a family all together, and there's going to be lots of that kind of stuff. But can that carry into January, February? And I just that's where I'm concerned about what's going to happen right. with the discretionary side of things. Is because if you've got a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage, you're paying over a thousand dollars extra, and that's going to hit your bank account in December. That thousand bucks, when you're only on eighty thousand or, or or whatever a year, that's really going to bite into people's savings. And that thousand is after tax dollars too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that that that's where I'm concerned about Centre yeah. Group. That's where I'm concerned about a lot of retailers. 
uh, is, is that disconnect. And I just can't get it out of my head at the moment because we sort of look at the numbers. We all know that this is coming, but everyone's ignoring it at the moment. Okay. And so I'm just really concerned. IMF overnight come out and forecast global recession. Will we go into recession? What camp are you in? No. I, we won't go into recession. Due to our resources, uh, we will skate through. Karen? Yeah, look, I'm probably in the same boat, I think. Right. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. uh, Gee, you lucky, know, we, we, we are very country. lucky, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not seeing the same levels of inflation here that yeah. we are seeing overseas as well. Don't have the same energy issues. Um, yeah. yeah. And the government. Um, I always say, I know it's un-Australian to acknowledge anything a politician does well, um, but we seem to have had pretty sensible treasurers for the last 20 years, haven't we, that have handled yeah. crises. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Jim Chalmers looks as though yeah. he's the goods as well. Yeah, so, we definitely spent our way out of the last one. I don't know if we can spend our way out of this one potentially. I yeah. mean, US is already there. Europe definitely is going to be there. Yeah. So it's a global recession. Yeah. But yeah, I think Australia will, will skate through. Yeah. And with full employment, um, basically looks pretty good, doesn't it? Doesn't it? it? All right. Um, our next stock, Tim wants a view, Karen, on Waypoint REIT. Now, it's another REIT, but it's not in um, retail. I suppose a bit in retail, if you like, with uh, with service stations, petrol yes, stations. Yeah, so yeah. they had their convenience stores attached to it. Yeah. So, look, I, I mean, I think... Once again, it just comes back to the fact that we don't particularly like REITs, despite the fact it is in a different sort of part of the market. Um, and so, you know, it will, we, we don't own it. So it would be a hold at best for us. Um, potentially the advantage for, for this business is that there are opportunities to redevelop some of those petrol stations. Mm. Uh, and, and so that could actually provide, a, you know, sort of a, a buffer, I guess. Because they are usually on good blocks of land, aren't Yes, they? exactly. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah. it's more yeah, a yeah. property play than a service station play. Possibly. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, like you're seeing the number of um, EVs, electric, electric vehicles really increase. I think it was up to 9% in the last month of new car sales were Tesla. Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, petrol stations are going to become less attractive, I guess, but then there's the opportunity for those pet- those, those, that property to, to get redeveloped. Yeah. So that kind of puts a, a floor under it. But yeah, as a rate, we're sort of okay. not really there. Yeah, I'm with it on hold um, for me. I think that if they can deliver on their strategy, I think that's going, to, that's going to work well for them, you know, going forward. But valuation also seems fairly attractive. It's, it's, it's probably 17% below its NTA at the moment, so net tangible assets. So there is some value there. Um, and, you know, how, I mean, yes, the convenience store is, is, is what they're talking about. Or, um, and when you go in there, you buy your petrol, but then, yeah, you get some bread and some milk yeah. and the kids, you know, they want something. And they usually little, pay the earth for it. Pay the earth for yeah. it to, yeah. for the convenience <laughs> of it being there. Um, so the, 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 it's going to have some decent earnings. But overall, it just doesn't excite me. There's better other, well, we've talked about the other ones that yeah. you know, we like, um, and, and Goodman Group is in that industrial space. And I think that's a better place to be than something like a centre group or anything like that. So for me, it'd be a hold. If you got it, it's probably a nice little dividend that will continue on. But yeah, the, the, they will need to regenerate their business over time, and that still remains to be seen. So that's a, it's a, it's a big overhang for me. So when they value those sites, do they value them as a service station or do they value them 
as building a block of apartments no, if well, you needed to. I think they value it on the land because right. a lot of the time that land needs to be remediated mm. because oh, yeah. of all Total of the oil and all the yeah. crap that was in there. Yeah, and right. that has to be that that has to be put back to somewhat normal. So um, yeah, I think it's the the block right. of land versus right. the the airspace the or anything else right. that would okay. be there. All right. Our final stock, Karen, Sam wants a view on Auckland International Airport. Yeah, so for us it's a hold, but I have to say we actually are looking at it at the moment. It's looking the cheapest it's looked for, for some time. Um, it's an infrastructure play, uh, and so typically they're highly geared, uh, and so in a you know, high interest rate environment that's not necessarily particularly attractive, uh, but the share price is probably reflecting that to a certain extent. I but guess they own the land too, don't they? They don't lease the land, they yeah, own the land but the difference, to redevelop. The difference with this one, though, is that it can't get taken over. So a lot of the other ah. infrastructure plays have kind of been taken over and that's ah. that's given them a I bit of a boost. That. But, be, yeah, it's um, uh, just because of government sort of... Um, Super funds are looking for infrastructure plays yeah, at the moment. Yeah, that's yeah. been on the hunt. Yeah. So the issue with this one as well at the moment is that um, it's in a, a this year's a regulatory reset for them. So the government is reassessing as it does every every period of time, um, just what fees it can earn. And so there's a little bit of uncertainty around that, um, which is probably playing into the share price as well. Um, so yeah, but but it does look more attractive than it has mm. for some time. So it's on your radar. It's on our radar at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, is infrastructure generally on your radar as well? No, because as I said, it's trend? really quite expensive at the moment. Infrastructure and um, and generally always is, but uh, in a rising interest rate environment, uh, it's not as attractive for us. Okay, All right. Adam. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to be. Uh, if you've if you've got it, stay with it. But I wouldn't be putting fresh money into it. Um, it, it is always expensive uh, as far as a, an asset play uh, compared to my favourite stock, which was Sydney Airports. That that was gone. Um, but you know. So where do you put that money? Where do you put the Sydney Airport money? Where did we? Um, we stayed in the infrastructure, bought some Transurban, right, um, and. There was something else going on at the time that we put some more money into, but right. a lot of that Sydney Airport money, I tried to stay in that infrastructure space mm. because we don't have any good infrastructures left. I mean, APA, APA with the um, ALX, which is which is a somewhat under takeover at the moment. Um, Transurban, like we don't really have much other good infrastructure. They've all been taken over, yeah. right? So this one does fall into, I guess, Australia because it's. You, New Zealand, anyway. Um, yeah. but well, it's a good company. It's a good... Like, like they're good actors and artists. If they're any good, they become Australia. Australia. They're yeah. exactly right. But overall, uh, uh, domestic uh, travel was lower last year and is continuing to be lower. They only had 7.8 million uh, customers, people coming through uh, as part of their domestic travel, which was certainly uh, more than it was last year, but it's still a lot lower. And, and on guidance, that's pretty tough as well. So for me, uh, it, it feels too expensive. I didn't know that they couldn't get taken over. Apparently that's the case, yeah. So mm. that makes mm. sense that like, you, you buy it for potential takeover, but um, overall, New Zealand, uh, higher interest rates than Australia, um, they're gonna struggle, people are gonna struggle. Like, I, I just don't think um, you need to be there just at the moment. If, if obviously see that price coming back, uh, that'd be nice, but I, yeah, I, I'm gonna say stay away. No, if you got it, hold it. 
But if no fresh money, I wouldn't be buying it at this okay. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, Yang Coal, uh, a buy from both Karen and Adam, and suggesting that if you're in Whitehaven, trim some profits out of that, and maybe if you want to stay in coal, redirect into uh, into Yang Coal. Remember your ESG filter, which um, excludes a lot of coal stocks because of that. Uh, Viva. Uh, Karen came up with a weak hold, so she was she's on the fence, but almost tipping over the side. Uh, Dorsey has tipped over the other side and says a sell. Uh, Centre group a sell from Adam and a no from Karen. Uh, Waypoint a hold from both. Auckland Airport a hold from both, but uh, it is on Karen's radar because at these levels, it's looking pretty good value. Uh, Adam Dawes from Shore mm. Partners, good to see you, mate. Absolutely. And Karen Tao from Tribeca, good to have you aboard. Great, thank uh, you. It's great fun. Mm. All right, thank you all for joining us. If you've got any stocks that you'd like us to cover, put them in an email. Um, the call at oddsbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us through using the at TV handle. And a reminder, if you want to see all of the stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash... Uh, portfolio. That's it for uh, me. We've got small caps coming up after this. Don't go away. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 